Good evening. I hope you're all doing well. We are moving right along in our series entitled Christ and Culture, and we have wrapped up the first half of our series, which uh, predominantly dealt with the LGBTQ uh, movement and, and how that impacts our culture, as well as how it impacts our, uh, our churches. And we looked at the history of this movement, kind of where it came from, as well as some of the myths uh, that uh, surround this issue and, and how we can approach that from a biblical standpoint. And let me just say that I've been greatly encouraged as I've heard from many of you and you've shared with me how God has uh, opened your eyes and brought clarity to, to, to various issues uh, regarding uh, this particular uh, challenge for our culture and church. And I, I'm just um, I'm just elated that God has blessed this series and has used it in your life. And so I pray that that will continue to be the case as we move forward into the second half of this particular series, the issue of racial injustice. And this uh, particular issue has received considerable attention in recent years, and we're still very much, I believe, in the center of a shift that seems to be happening in our culture. And so uh, many of us are still trying to grapple with uh, what what is the proper way for us as Christians to biblically address this particular issue. And people are falling on all uh, sides of this issue. There are some who uh, believe that, yes, there is systematic racial injustice throughout our culture and our country, and we need to dismantle much, if not all, of our prevailing um, structures in society to, to root out this systemic racism. And then there are other people on the other side of it who say, no, this is all blown out of proportion. Uh, this is just a um, uh, an underlying political agenda to accomplish some liberal ideology. And, and so there, there is just this this division over this particular issue. And many people today, if not most people, will not only have an opinion on this particular issue, but they have very strong and passionate opinions on it. And so in many ways, this will be a more difficult topic to address than the LGBTQ movement uh, that we addressed in the first half of the series. Um, and so as best as I can, I'm going to try to present a fair, accurate, and most importantly, a biblically grounded discussion on this very complex and a heated topic. And I, I will say at the, the outset, and I'll probably reiterate this throughout our discussion on this portion of our series, I am by no means an expert on this particular issue, but I do uh, think that if we ground ourselves in Scripture, if we think logically through uh, the implications of many of the things that are being uh, discussed around this issue, I think uh, we can uh, chart a, a, a God-honoring, Christ-centered um, path uh, in the days ahead regarding uh, systematic racial injustice. And so that's my hope with this series, that this will provide some some information, some resources for us to engage this topic in a biblically healthy way. So uh, as we did with the LGBTQ portion of this series, I would like for us to sit uh, down some ground rules and important truths that we need to keep in mind as we wade into these deep and dangerous waters uh, surrounding this topic. So the first thing that we need to do, I believe, is we need to define what racism is. Now, I, I know there are probably many uh, who are listening or watching this who, like myself, think that racism is a pretty obvious thing. It seems like a, a simple, straightforward concept. Most people, uh, it would seem, would have a, 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 a 
rational idea of what racism is, um, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, there has been this um, attempt to redefine what racism is, and it's convoluted the waters. It's, it's made this conversation much more difficult than what I think it necessarily has to be. My understanding of racism, what I've always uh, understood it to be, and I believe this is the most common sense understanding of racism, it is when one race or ethnicity uh, believes that it is um, uh, superior to another race, that it is better than another race. And that is the most straightforward, common sense definition, I believe, of racism because it applies equally across the board. Um, but unfortunately, that common sense definition has been overused and overapplied and muddied up where now many people have a hard time um, defining racism in a way that is uh, fair and equal and applicable um, for all people. Um, and, and to give you just uh, an, an idea, uh, an example of what I mean by that, the Anti-Defamation League, uh, the ADL, is an organization that is supposed to fight against prejudice, racism, and bigotry wherever it may be found. And on its homepage of its website, it defines a whole list of various words and concepts as it centers around racism. Uh, and when it gets to the topic of racism, this is how they define it in, uh, on their website. And I, wanna, I, I want you to try to see if you can spot the problem with this definition. It says this, quote, racism is the marginalization and or op, uh, oppression of people of color based on socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. And did you catch all that? Because there's a whole lot packed in there. And, and I, I would argue that this definition of racism is um, constructed in such a way that it only applies to a, a select few uh, uh, examples of racism and not racism as a whole. For instance, the definition that the ADL puts out there, it only, um, only groups that are in the majority can be racist, according to that particular definition. For instance, uh, they said that racism is the marginalization and oppression of people. Um, and, and that means that marginalized people, uh, people who are in the minority, can't be racist. You can only be racist if, if your group is in the majority. Uh, but again, I hope that we can all be honest enough to understand and to recognize that that is simply not the case. As tactfully as I can uh, put this, um, racism is is not a white thing, it's not a black thing, it's not a Hispanic thing, it's not an Asian thing. Racism is a sinful thing. Racism is about not what color skin you are, not whether or not you're in the majority or in the minority. It is about um, the sin that is in the heart of each and every person. So whether you are a majority or a minority, you can be racist. That doesn't mean you are racist. It means you can be racist. Uh, sinfulness can be found in every single people group in the world. People who are in the majority can be racist. People who are in the minority and on the fringes of society can be racist because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sin. We all have that sin nature within our hearts. And so this particular definition of the ADL 
it, it, it bypasses all of that and it only targets racism that is found in majority uh, groups. But it doesn't stop there. It also goes on and it states that only white people can be racist. Again, their definition says racism is the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that catches this, catch this next part that privileges white people. So by that definition, black people can't be racist. Even if they say what seems to be on its face, racist things, they can't be racist because racism, according to the ADL, only um, benefits the privilege of white people. That means Hispanic people, Asian people, you, any, any group that you think of, they can't be racist because according to the ADL, racism only benefits white people. Again, that's absurd on its face. Listen, white people did not invent racism. Uh, all races have the ability and in fact, have the history of racism somewhere in their culture. Uh, and so these definitions, this redefining of what racism is, is just, uh, it makes this issue of weeding out, uh, weeding out this horrible, sinful tendency within humanity that much more difficult. And this should really concern all of us. Um, it should concern us for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, this kind of worldview that redefines racism in this way, it takes the focus away from true racism. So hear me very clearly. I believe that there are racist people in the world today. I believe that there are racist people in America today. I believe that there are racist things that go on all the time. But if we keep stretching and over applying and overusing this term of racism, we're going to be calling all kinds of things racist that aren't racist. And that's going to take attention away from things that actually are racist. It's, uh, it's kind of like the little boy who cro uh, cried uh, wolf. The more you say that, the more you continue to apply this term, uh, the less people are going to take it seriously. You know, just here recently, many of y'all uh, can just recall where uh, Dr. Seuss books were deemed racist and were banned. And again, we can get on a whole discussion of whether or not, you know, that was cancel culture, whether or not that was, you know, the government doing it, whether it was, you know, the the uh, people who hold the rights to the Dr. Seuss books. Regardless, we have developed a culture where people are proactively and preemptively um, um, weeding out things that uh, aren't racist, but calling them racist um, anyways. And, and so we need to be really careful of that because it's taking the focus off of true racism. Uh, it should also concern us this redefining of the term racism because it's, I believe, actually fostering more racism, racism where there originally was none. Um, growing up, I've grown up in, in all kinds of communities. I've gone to school, uh, got, uh, my high school for once, uh, for, for example, um, was a predominantly uh, black school. Uh, and I really didn't think much about race. It didn't bother me. I had friends of all different colors and ethnicities. It, it, that was not a big factor. I really didn't think much about it. But now as, as things continue to uh, be thrust in the face of the American people, uh, people are thinking more and more about race than I believe they ever have, uh, at least in my lifetime. And I think that this constant over-application and overuse of uh, race and focusing on people's ethnicity is actually going to foster more racism uh, than was actually uh, in place before all this uh, uh, was going on. And uh, if that wasn't enough, I think this over application of racism uh, and redefining of racism uh, 
it doesn't really remove the sin of racism. It doesn't because it doesn't really foster uh, love and forgiveness and grace. In fact, it's pushing people further and further away. In fact, one of the leading advocates for this redefinition of racism in our culture is a man by the name of Ibram X. Kendi. And he uh, has said this in many of his speeches and in his writings. Uh, here's, here's how he defines it. And here's what he says the cure to discrimination and racism is. He says, I quote, the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, end quote. And so there we see uh, Ibram X. Kendi is this uh, individual who's the leading figure in redefining racism and, and pointing out, quote unquote, racism in our culture. He's saying that what we actually need to do to fix the injustices done in the past, the, to fix the uh, racism and the discrimination of the past, we need to have racism and discrimination in the present today. And to fix the racism and discrimination in the present, we need to have racism and discrimination in the future. And do you see how this doesn't foster any love, any forgiveness, any grace? It's actually just a, a cycle of discrimination and racism that repeats itself over and over and over again. And all it's going to do is drive people further and further away. This is the antithesis of the Christian faith. And so let me just be really clear here. As a Christian, you can believe that there is racism in our culture. You can believe that there is racism that needs to be rooted out in our churches, in our in our political arenas, in our cult, in our entertainment, in our music, or whatever. All throughout our culture, you can believe that there is systematic injustices and things of that nature. But this kind of rooting it out, this kind of uh, Ibram X. Kendi uh, redefining racism and and uh, focusing exclusively on uh, white people oppressing minorities and people of color is not biblical. It's not Christian. It is not the answer to the problem of racism in our country. And so if, that, if we see those things, we need to address them in a biblical way. And so we need to be really careful and discerning as we move forward. So that's the first thing I want us to do is and make sure that we define racism uh, in a accurate and fair way that applies to racism all across the board. Uh, and that is the, uh, the belief that one race is superior to another. The second thing I want us to take a look at is just to acknowledge that there has always been, and I believe always will be racism, at least until Christ comes back. Because as we've already said, racism has nothing to do with whether or not you're in the majority or whether or not you're in the minority or whether or not you're white, black, yellow, green, purple, polka dotted, whatever. That is not the problem. The problem is the sin inside the human heart. Uh, and, and we need to understand that, that is what needs to be addressed. Uh, as long as we are uh, tearing down statues and as long as we are condemning other people and shouting and screaming in their face, that's not going to do anything to fix racism. The only thing that's going to fix it is when God transforms the human heart uh, through love and grace and through the gospel. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not making an excuse uh, for racism. I'm not saying that, well, it's always been around, so therefore, you know, let's not let's just throw our hands up and be done with it. I'm not saying that. Uh, racism is a sin, and as uh, a gospel-centered church, we should call out sin for what it is. But we also need to understand that Christ is the solution, and we need to fight against it as much as possible. But 
it will likely be a a um, a reality in this fallen world until Christ comes back to do away with sin. And so, just keep that in mind. We need to understand that racism has been true from the very beginning. It has been true in every single culture throughout human history. Every single race, race and ethnicity uh, has uh, um, experienced and propagated uh, racism and discrimination to one extent or another. That doesn't make it right, but it just makes it a reality. And so we need to understand that. And as Christians, we need to understand that our part to play in this, at least uh, one aspect of it, is that we need to preach the gospel. We need to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that is what is going to change human hearts. Now, the third thing I want us to understand is that racism, uh, that there is racism and discrimination in our past. That let's just face it. Uh, America, I love our country. I, I don't want to live anywhere else. This is one. This is the greatest country uh, on the face of the earth to live in. But we can we can say that and also admit that we have uh, sins in our past. We have um, uh, injustices in our past. There has been racism. There has been discrimination. Like every other nation that has come before us, we also have those things as a part of our. Our story, our our our, our country's history, um, and, and we don't need to whitewash that. We don't need to overlook it or minimize it. We just need to honestly admit that there has been problems uh, in our past. But here's the thing: just like we don't need to minimize it and overlook it, we also, hear me clearly, don't need to erase that past either. We shouldn't. We should never minimize those injustices, and uh, we we cannot and should not erase them. From our history either we should not tear down statues we should not you know rewrite our history books i am a firm believer that the same uh in the saying that uh those who fail to remember the past are doomed to repeat it i believe that that's true and the more that we rewrite history the more that we uh um try to erase it uh, the more we are likely to repeat those very same injustices and mistakes. The current trend of tearing down statues and renaming schools and other public structures just because they have a connection to an ugly part of our history is, in my opinion, extremely, extremely foolish. Uh, while I understand that there are some things that are very painful to some people uh, to, to look at, to be reminded of, it's more important that we keep those things so that we can learn from them. Okay, and so we need to make sure that future generations don't make those same mistakes. Uh, you know, uh, I was uh, reading uh, here recently an article from Forbes magazine, uh, and it was entitled, Why Kids Know Even Less About History Now and Why It Matters. And in this article, the, the, um, the journalist, she, she said this, as, um, as if the news wasn't bad enough, recent tests show American students are getting worse at history, geography, and civics. And they were pretty bad to begin with. Only 15% of eighth graders scored proficient or above uh, in U.S. history, along with about a quarter in civics and geography. And the reason why I, I point out that article is because we are teaching our, our kids less and less and less about history. And the little bit of history that they are learning and they are getting has been rewritten and distorted in, in ways that they're not learning from 
what has got us to the place where we are and what caused some of those atrocities in the past and how can we avoid those. Another uh, article was stating that 80% of fourth graders, 83% of fifth graders, and 88% of high school seniors flunked the minimum proficiency rating in these various grades in history and civics and things of that nature. And it doesn't get any better in college either. College graduates were only 23% able to answer basic American history questions. And I, I find that really sad and almost depressing at times because the, this is the next generation of people who are going to be leading our country. They know more about the Kardashians than they do about uh, the American Revolution or about World War II or, or about how our government works. And that's a problem. And so we need to stop tearing down these things. We need to uh, keep our history intact so that we can teach our kids where they come from. And, and that will guide us into the future. And so we need to understand, yes, there are some bad things in our past. And we need to let people learn from that. And here's the thing. As a nation, we have learned from that. We have progressed. You know, we've done some incredibly horrible things in our in our past. And our nation, just like every other nation, has those skeletons in the closet that are, are difficult to acknowledge and to own up to. But here's the thing. Uh, even though our country shares many of the sins that a lot of other countries have, there are very few countries here on this earth that have progressed and moved uh, further than America has to correct those injustices. So I believe that, yes, we should acknowledge them and learn from them and celebrate the triumphs that we've already made. America is a wonderful place, and we've made incredible strides uh, to, to learn from our past and to move forward, and we need to continue to do that. Now, the fourth thing I want us to understand, uh, some of the ground rules as we move forward in the upcoming weeks, is that we as Christians ought to help the oppressed. If there are people in our culture and in our country, in our schools, in our societies, wherever we may find them, if there are people who are overlooked, who are marginalized, who are victimized and oppressed, those are the exact people that we need to be speaking up for and reaching out to. That's exactly what Jesus would do. We cannot just sit back and say, well, I'm just going to stay on my little plot of land. I'm going to take care of me and my own and everyone else needs to take care of themselves. As Christians, we are to go to the those who are hurting, those who are in need, those who are victimized, those who don't have a voice, and we need to speak out uh, for them. If there is racism in our country, Christians ought to be the first ones to speak out against it and to fight to rectify those kinds of injustices. So as we move forward, I know that there are probably going to be people on either side of this issue who are going to listen or watch this. There are going to be some who say that there is no racism or there's very little racism in our country. There are going to be those who say that there's tons of racism in our country. Wherever you find yourself, we need to honestly look uh, and, and, and search out whether or not these claims are true. And if we find truth in them, then we need to do the work of Christ, be his hands and feet, and minister to those who are hurting. And then last, but certainly not least, as we look at these claims and as we assess what the truth is in our country, we need to do so with discernment. Now, that means looking at the facts, not just our emotions. Our emotions can sway all over the place. Sometimes we can overlook certain facts because we want them to say a certain thing. But as Christians, we need to understand Jesus said the truth will set you free. 
And so we need to make sure that we are looking at what is true. Let's look at the facts and let's let the Holy Spirit guide and direct us as we seek to understand things better, open our eyes to things that maybe we've been overlooking or haven't heard yet, and then begin doing the hard work of bringing redemption uh, to our country and to our, our, our um, communities. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this very complex and volatile issue of racism. Uh, we're going to be unpacking some of the claims and wrestling with how Christians should approach this specific topic biblically. And so I hope that you'll join us next week as we kind of dive uh, headfirst into this topic. Uh, continue to uh, prayerfully ask God to um, to open your heart to what he would have you learn through this. And I pray that God would bless each and every one of us as we seek to be uh, his ambassadors to the world in which uh, we find ourselves in. Well, with that said, we're going to end it there for this week. Again, join us back next week as we uh, we unpack this a little bit.